You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The Rambam, in the beginning of the uh, his last part, the last uh, section of the Mishnah Torah is called Hilchas Melachim El Mulchamot. It's the it's the laws of kings and the wars that they are involved in. And the two are very much connected. When we take a look at the mitzvos that are contained in this last session of the Rambam, one is, of course, using the words of the Torah, being machrim the shiva amimim, the seven nations that lived in the land of, that we call greater Israel. And, of course, lahachrim means, of course, to, to, to utterly um, uh, vanquish them to a point that they can't continue to um, to live, and that's the mitzvah saseh, and the mitzvah slow saseh is not to leave one of them alive. So right away, we I mean, this does not sound like compassion, does it? Basically, what we're saying is, is that you have to kill every one of who is from that country, who is from that those people that are in Israel. You don't leave any of them alive. The same thing goes for Amalek, Limchozarish of Amalek. Um, now I'm skipping the mitzvahs of Zechiras Amalek, but no one can deny that the Torah does demand the elimination of a people. Now, is it genocide? We're going to see that that's not the Rambam's opinion. The Ramban has a little bit of a different opinion about how to deal with the Shiva Amin. And we'll see that coming up. But we start with the Rambam. But the first thing we realize, there is a mitzvah to eliminate them. Now, besides that mitzvah, these mitzvahs, which are to wage war, seemingly, I mean, they're not going to give up without a fight. They're not just going to let themselves get killed. It's not a mitzvah necessarily of war, although obviously people will fight for their lives. This is a mitzvah that's connected with war. The next one. Now, this means that there is a message of peace. Now, Yoshve Ha'ir is interpreted by the Rambam to mean any enemy that we are fighting. Any enemy is given the choice not to be killed by us. There could be peace between us. You will retain your life. And we're going to see what that is, under what terms. And that's what he says here, kasher meforosh b'torah. There are special terms in terms of accepting or surrendering and being alive. And there's also, as the Rambam says, the consequences of not acceptance. And that is a mitzvah of giving them the option and following through on that. Okay. Um, I think this is a big topic. And um, there, the Torah speaks about Amon and Moab. And Amon and Moab, the Rambam understands and this gets into a real interesting debate between the Rambam and the Ramban, whether we can anyway have a proactive war against Ammon and Moab. The Rambam says that 
even though the Pasuk says Al Tatser at Amon Moab, that we shouldn't um, start up with them, that was only at the time that we were going into Israel. But in our history, we are allowed to have wars with Ammon and Moab. And when we do fight them, we do not have to give them the open peace option, as the Rambam says. In fact, it's awesome for us to do that. Okay. So once again, it's just a very tempered point. On one hand, the Rambam says that we give every enemy a choice, but Ammon and Moab don't. Now, let me explain this even better. Amalek does get a choice. The Shiva Umos do get a choice. But if we happen to have a war with Ammon and Moab for whatever reason, there's no Drisha Sholem to Ammon and Moab. Um, okay. Okay, let's think about another sort of measured mitzvah. Okay. Now, this halacha is the halacha that's known as baltashchis. And there's a machlokas, the Rambam and the Ramban, about this mitzvah. And I think, you know, as we're getting deeper into it, I want to show you what the Rambam writes about this mitzvah, about not destroying the fruit trees. When the Rambam, what I read to you up until now was the Rambam's introduction, his, um, his chapter heading. This is actually the Rambam himself in Perik Vov of Hilchas Melochim. Ein kotzitzin ilone maichal shechutz medina. Hmm. So the first thing the Rambam is telling us that if it's outside of the country, and we're fighting a war against them. We do not chop down trees when we are engaged. Our, our military does not chop down trees. The ain, and even though, right, because of course that, that would do a lot to perhaps damage the morale and the food supply of our enemy. In fact, we don't chop it down. And if there's an irrigation ditch that leads water to these trees and we, we dam up the irrigation ditch in order for the tree to die, that is also, that is called being mashkes the eights. And, uh, and Robert Kiblevich? Yes, Interesting how it predates, uh, in a way, a Geneva Convention of Warfare, that the occupying power is obligated to provide for the remaining population or whatever. It is. So destruction of life is uh, is still is an issue. Okay, so you're so you're raising a very good point, uh, and 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 it has been uh, mentioned in terms of the state of Israel, um, if. Obviously, we are going to subscribe to the Geneva Convention, but does the Geneva Convention or an agreement that conventions in Geneva have, do they have halachic status, uh, even if we would be having a state run al pi halacha? 
and it would go counter to the rules of, of military engagement. Um, so that's a, it's something I think that's really, uh, uh, it's connected. So, <clears throat> but as we say, we're, we're really starting, you know, from the Rambam's view based on the Pesukim and the Torah without any other national or pan-national um, uh, involvement. Um, if some, if one of the soldiers or anyone, you would give that, you would, he, would be, he would be punished for doing that. Then the Rambam says that, that this is not a mitzvah only, this isn't just about cruelty to your enemy. But in general, even if there, if it's not about, you're not out of Israel, you're in Israel, or you're in any place, trees are very important. And anyone who cuts a tree down, a fruit-bearing tree just to destroy it, would get makos. The only heter to cut the tree down is if it was being mazik ilonos acherot as if the tree was damaging other trees that were more important to you, or the tree is damaging crops, or if the tree is worth more money as wood than it is as fruit. Uh, I'm sorry for interrupting. Yes. yes. How about, uh, as we know, examples from the Torah that say, you know, some trees were involved in idol worship. Okay, so those are those become usher because they're asherahs. So they, so once the din asherahs on it, Doctor Kogan, so then that overrides this isser of being a fruit tree. Thank um, you. But that's a good point. But the you can't just destroy it. That's the point. Now this is the Rambam's opinion. Now it would seem, as Doctor Kogan says, it shows some compassion. You are trying to control the city, and because, as we said, um, they're fighting with you, the combatants inside are technically uh, going to be victims and you're going to kill them. But not everyone is necessarily a soldier here, but we shall see. <laughs> um, we shall see. Um, the, uh, the, the Rambam, the Ramban disagrees with Yes, Rabbi Bob. Kibler, excuse me for interrupting. I, I noted in this discussion, I mean, the Torah's uh, use of this is where you besiege a city. Right. Okay. So this assumes I mean, I mean, that you've got it surrounded and basically uh, nothing can get in and out without going through you. So I does this also apply in the open field if the enemy is using the trees for cover? No, no, it does not. But, but Bob, okay. you're making a good point about going to the Pusik and seeing is it in, in what situation are we referring to? Is it only limited? And you can see the Rambam says it's not only in the case of Matsur. So I would say, Bob, even other in other military ways, this sort of behavior of destroying their tree, and we'll see in a minute why the Ramban thinks it would be allowed, would be usur. And it might be because of compassion. And, it, and Bob, we're going to find out that according to the Rambam and the Ramban, 
they it's not necessarily a slam dunk that that the people inside the city aren't able to exit at all. That's going to be the next issue we're going to talk about. But I want to show you uh, the Ramban's critique of the Rambam on this. We're going to go back to the Rambam. So the the Ramban is um, here. Okay. The Ramban says, when Kishinitzer al ir le echol menilanos shebigvula kol yemea mitzor, there's a mitzvah say to actually take advantage of those fruit trees that are near the city that you are trying to capture. V'yim nachros osam levatola derachashkosa, if you just destroy them just because you want to see a tree cut be cut down. You just want to destroy it, then you're over and I'll say. That sounds like he agrees with the Rambam. But he says the following. Da kizua mitzvah ba'asevelosa say shalah kishinotzer al-ir lihilocha melecha litofsa. This mitzvah, and it's actually two mitzvahs, and that's his piece of this. He argues with the Rambam, who only counts it as one. He says there's an assay as well, okay, which we'll get into perhaps. But he says, yes, this mitzvah was described when a siege was happening. And why is it that we can't break, cut this tree down? Now, not because what Dr. Kogan was implying from the Rambam. We need to have compassion on this tree because it belongs to us as if it was ours already. So the reason why we don't do scorched earth in the siege is because this is eventually going to be belong to our property. This is going to be greater Israel, this, this city and the trees that are there. And therefore, the, Ram, the Ramban says that this whole, um, this whole uh, uh, mitzvah is not referring to where it's, it's, it's got to be in a place of Israel that we might be able to take over. As he says, um, if we're going to travel far to go against an enemy and there's no we're not necessarily going to make this part of greater Israel but rather we are we are we are we are engaged in some far-flung attack now why are we traveling there maybe we're there to plunder maybe we're there to just get the to, to get monies maybe we're there to take back prisoners or whatever it is. But if if where we're going is not a, a type of territory that will be attached to the land of Israel, destroy it. And destroy all these, destroy all those trees. Wow. 
So basically, <laughs> the, the Ramban says the only reason why the Torah says to have sort of compassion is not because you need to have some uh, compassion on your enemy and after he's vanquished, his, his, his home should still be able to provide some food for him or, or this, this gives him some food to have maybe in some way during the siege. It's only because the city that you're attacking is a city that either belonged to us originally or can become part of greater Israel. But if you're going outside and, and, and you're only here to, to, to strike at the heart of the enemy there and to wipe him out or to, to take his money or whatever it is, then you should, he says, destroy their stuff. Even if it is a siege and the siege is happening, let's say, in a city that could be part of greater Israel. But the reason you're doing it is because you want them to psychologically suffer, to feel the sense of things getting narrower for them and the walls closing in on them. We want them to feel the difficulty that they shouldn't live from them. That's not called psychological warfare. Making them feel that they won't or are limiting their food supply them psychologically knowing that their food supply isn't there. Feeling the sense of, of being in the siege is not called nothing. That's not called hashchasa. In fact, the Ramban says, that if you look in the Sifri, it says, right? If you are in the siege, katsatseyu. Cut it down, because that will affect your victory. And he says the Rambam's description of this mitzvah is not correct. The Rambam's description of the mitzvah is not correct. And again, what is the difference between the Ramban and the Rambam? Very, a major difference. According to the Rambam, you need... Of course, military victory is important, but but you know, you know if you can't just want to make your enemy feel powerless, you can't just scorch the earth around him. You're not allowed to do that. Now, does this apply even by a Muhammad's mitzvah? We'll talk about that. But right away, we see that the issues here of of you know, and the Ramban does not seem to think it's compassion for the enemy. It's compassion for yourself. <laughs> the reason why we don't destroy the trees around is because they might become part of what it's ours. But if by destroying them, we can somehow effect a psychological victory over our enemies who are going to feel they're being pressured, then you go ahead and do it. So here, it would seem, at least this Ramban, the Ramban seems to be, at this point, much less compassionate uh, towards the enemies. And whereas the Rambam, as we go back to the Rambam, seems to at least feel there's something here. 
uh, again, everyone gets uh, called out b'shalom, even Amalek, and uh, there are terms, we'll see what those terms are, but in terms of uh, an end, it would seem that the uh, allowing the trees and, and, and the water supply, not to, to dam up the water supply, seems to be an element of compassion, as is uh, of giving them options to live. Okay, so that is one point of difference. We're going to see in another point where the Ramban is actually, seems to be more compassionate. Okay. Um, one of, uh, interesting mitzvah that the Rambam quotes in terms of w- uh, waging of war is Shalol Arotz, which is basically quaking in your boots, I guess, is the way to refer to it. There is a low sase, and how does a person, uh, how is a person ever able to um, withstand that? You know, again, I, when I read this, I, I I think about the 1970 film Patton, and I know some of you know exactly what I'm going to be talking about, where where you know they uh, they dramatize an actual event that occurred when Patton um, uh, slapped a soldier who was in an army hospital because he couldn't stand the battle, he couldn't stand the war. I don't know if you remember that scene, but it is. It, 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 I saw it, I guess, when I was around 10 years old and it, it stayed with me my whole life. The idea of a person being scared and, and you know, Patton, you know, slaps him and says, how dare you um, disgrace this, this, this place, this holy place of soldiers who have, who have fought courageously. There's a low say to be a coward, to feel that cowardice and allow it to blossom within you. To, you know, it's all part of, right? So you have to have a lot of courage. And we'll talk about that, how, again, especially, um, you know, how you can find war in a, in a more positive way. Okay. So first, let's, let's read a little bit more in the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchas Malachim says that war is, essential, war is clearly an essential part of a government. A king can, can assess taxes because he feels it's needed. Which means the Rambam right away says that wars, waging wars, waging voluntary wars is part of what all governments do, what the Jewish government does, and what the king rules is necessary for people oh. to pay for those wars is considered a real uh, responsibility for everyone to contribute. Oh, and he said, one second. And somebody who refuses, even some pacifist terms, to contribute as though an Isser, the Melech has a right to, to actually punish him severely if they do not contribute to the war effort, the monies that can, whatever the monies are demanded. Yes, what did you want to ask, Dr. Kogan? What, what is the relationship of this statement to the one in the Chumash, is that whoever is afraid, whoever just got married or planted the field uh, can be uh, excused? 
Uh, it looks like it's it's a contradiction that the government either it's a development or it's a contradiction of what the Torah okay. says. Okay, so once you're already there, Doctor Kogan, on the battlefield, you can you 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 cannot show cowardice. Yeah, of course. I'm talking about what, before. That's what the Rambam is talking about here. When the oh, Rambam okay. talks about here, Bishas Muhammad, this is Never mind. Yeah, when yeah. the war is going on. You're right. If a person is unable to summon up the willpower and the strength to go, it's something else. I, I should have been clearer. What we're talking about is, 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 is the nobility demanded from the warrior. That is what the Rambam is, is seeing from the Torah. Okay? Here, this halacha, you see that everyone has to contribute to the war effort. And you can see that just like Ahasuerus looked for the most beautiful woman, a melech can do a search and take the best and the brightest as his kiborim, his anshechayel. Now, this could be, you could say this is his private police, and that is true. But he also says, So basically, he has a right to pick people off. You know, we're not talking about a draft, but sort of like a draft. He has a right to send people and to, and bring the strongest, toughest guys, the ones who seem to score the highest, the ones who are the, the guys who are, who are the, the, the Navy SEALs and the guys that seem to have the muscles and the energy. And he can go and, and, and give them tests to see which one should be officers. And you can force them. You don't have a choice to be part of this army. You're going to be part of this army no matter what, the Rambam says. And you can force them. And we know this from the book of Shmuel. When Shmuel said what, how life would change when they had a king. The king has a right to turn the state into a very much uh, um, prone and primed for military victory. Now, when the, the army is going out to war, the king has a right to, uh, to uh, take private property, and you can see, um, and he can say, look, we're going out to war, we need provisions. And as he says, I don't care if you were planning on selling it or doing something else with it. My soldiers are going to be uh, taking your wheat and making bread out of it so they can put it into their knapsacks. Now, he does say, if they have no other food, then you go into private property. And he also says that the king pays for it. I don't know if he gives them a good profit, but the king does pay for it. He just can't steal it. But he has a right to take it whether you want to or not. And therefore, you have to realize the whole country mobilizes for war. This is the state in its perfection. This is the Rambam writing about the halachos of a state with a king. And that means that whatever the state has and, and the, the, the advantages and the natural resources are supplemental to or subjugated to the war effort, always. Um, 
Now, I don't want to get into the advantages. This is a little bit of a of a side issue about when these wars were taken up to expand the country. Uh, what happens with the monies and the funds? What happens to the booty? What happens to everything? Um, it's really a little bit off topic, so I'm going to skip that. But the Rambam does say that the king does can enrich himself. In fact, if he conquers a land and makes it, annexes it through war, it doesn't get divided into the 12 tribes. The king can do with it whatever he wants. He can set up and give to his servants. He can give it to his generals. He can decide he wants to build something there. And whatever he decides works. Now, the Rambam says it has a, 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 a halacha of greater Israel. These, um, these lands, as you can see. So it is like the land of Israel. And now if food grows there, you're going to have to be chayev and trumos and maestros and other things. However, it doesn't belong to any specific tribe. It belongs technically, it's in the purview of the king. And the king can, can, can do what he wants with that land that he has now annexed. And he could decide to appropriate, again, the monies and the booty uh, I skipped, but that is, but we see the power that we give to the war maker. The war maker has that power uh, in the victory of war to, to control that land and to control it every way he wants. Now the Rambam adds the following. When we give so much power, so much war-making power to the king, the king needs to be an extremely noble and authentic person. And everything he does has to be for the sake of God. Everything that he's doing, even though people are going to die, it's all about expanding the true faith, the true religion. Now, I know there's some of you who are reading what I'm, I'm have here on the board and are thinking Islam, right? <laughs> You're thinking about the idea of conquering places. And that's what's going on here. The idea the king has is to uplift and to set up high the real religion, the dos. That the world has to be a righteous place. The people you're fighting are like infidels, so to speak. And you want to fill the world with righteousness. So it isn't just that they've got money and you can now set up a fiefdom there and they've got a great water supply and you can now use that. You're, that might be some of the considerations, but behind it, there needs to be this other mental aspect, which is the purpose of what a, of a melech is, is to change the world. 
is to is to be a vanguard of what the Torah stands for. And ultimately, a place that is under our control is a place that will be more righteous. It's a place that the that that will infuse we come infused with the righteousness that God has told us the world needs, and we are the bearers of that idea of God's righteousness, and we know how it needs to be implemented. And that is called fighting the wars of God. We are fighting the war, but it's a war for God. And the Rambam says, What's the reason why there should be a king? And the Rambam says there's a mitzvah to have a king. What's the reason to have a king? Now, Shmuel said that when he said, you guys want a king, this is what, not what Shmuel said, this is what the people said, So normally the way you understand it is, is that war is an ugly part of reality. And we need a king because we're going to be involved in war. In other words, the, the simple way to learn this Pasuk is in Shmuel is that the people said, look, we're getting large. There's a whole bunch of different communities. People realize that we are somewhat similar, the nations around us. There's going to be wars. We need to have some centralized, unified leader who will represent us and fight the wars that are part of the human condition. The Rambam says that actually what this means is a positive. It isn't Nebuch, there's going to be wars, we need someone to do it. War is the means of a very ugly means, but nonetheless, it's a means of establishing the superiority and ultimately the acceptance of the ideals of Torah and to create a world that is righteous. And the people that we're going to fight against, who have their country and their soldiers, are evil, and we've broken them. So that is, okay, so again, this is not a politically, again, this is part of why we learn here is to, is to see what's written, not to impose upon the Rambam our own philosophies or what we think, you know, again, what our, this, the last, the 20th century has taught us about war. The Rambam's opinion of war was different, and he says that it, it's 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 a it's it's a vehicle for this positive outcome. Um, now, the Rambam then describes Mohammed's uh, uh, mitzvah. He gives you three ways that it could happen. Now, two of them are very similar: the Shiva Amim and Mohammed's Amalek. The third is called Ezra Yisroel Mitzor Shabal Alehem. Now, this this is this Rambam has been quoted very very often in light of the wars against. Um, and again, this is one of the reasons why we're talking about this today, because we are still, you know, two days away from the Hayyir. Yom Atzmut was celebrated last Thursday. But what's important, you know, the idea of of Jew of the Israeli army, of the the army fighting um, 
whether it's wars, preemptive wars, this is the place everyone looks to save Israel from the Tsar Shabo Alehem. Now, we know that um, even you know the 67 war, we started it in a way because we saw that they were that they had um, started to move against us, right? And we know what their plans were. Um, but Lebanon and other types of wars are a little bit different. Um, if we realize that having a strong presence of terrorist presence in Lebanon will eventually lead to Jewish deaths. So are we saving Israel? True, they aren't attacking us now, but we know that that is their motto. And we know that Lebanon was giving safe haven uh, to the Palestinians, the PLO, which were basically had sort of controlled the whole government in, in, in Lebanon. And because of the perch that they had to the north, having them there in such a place where, um, so um, Ezra Yisrael, is that is that at Sar Shaboa land? So going out there, or is it only when they make the first move? So this is a, a, a lot of discussion is about this line that I've underlined here, or is it only if? is once they're on the move, we go out and fight them, even though they're not from the seven nations. Um, let's see. Um, the Ramam says that once the king has taken care of these wars, then he could decide to do Milchemes Rishus. Now, uh, do you remember what we read in, in Perak Aleph that the Rambam says that the purpose of war is to ultimately up to to, to rise up the, the the glory of God and and the Dosa Ms. But then he when he talks about Mohammed Rishus, look what he says. That's a Muhammad Shanilcham im Sharha Amim, to expand Israel's territory. And to increase. Now, is this the king's greatness and the king's name? Or is it Israel's name? If I only had this language, it looks like, yeah, the, it's like Alexander the Great. The king wants to uh, expand and, and be known as a great conqueror. Sounds like the king's on an ego trip. That's what it would, that's what it appears like. If you look at if you look at this, but the Rambam said before that although that inside the king is being mechavin l'shem shemayim. So on one hand, the, the the there's jingoism, and 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 a sense of pushing you know his his personal agenda, but the power of his personality is out there. And everyone sees it, but inwardly, it's the Rambam said before, it's about promoting God. So Rabbi Tauger says, in order to expound the borders of Israel or magnify its greatness and reputation. So is Israel's reputation. But 
it's not really about Israel's reputation, as you can see from the previous chapter. As he says, it's about the purpose to elevate the true faith and fill the world with justice. (laughs) So the very next section, the Rambam talks about Israel pride. And he talks about, uh, is right? And, and, and the two obviously aren't contradictory because I think outwardly you're hearing a message of expanding the borders of Israel, magnifying its greatness and its reputation. But the purpose of that is not just to have a powerful state. The purpose of it is to advance God's will in the world. So the two aren't necessarily contradictory to each other. Although for most people, they would say, well, what are you after? Are you right? Now, um, okay. The Rambam, as I said, uh, um, talks about uh, the mitzvahs of killing the, the population of the seven nations. And that means everyone. Amalek means everyone. However, as we said, everyone gets a chance for peace. What is the peace that the Rambam is talking about? So let's take a look. Many of you are familiar with this. Let's take a look. Im Hishlimu. Right, and he says, "Ain osin milchama im adam ba'olam." No matter who it is, give him a chance to live. But what is what would be the chance to live? The chance to live is to accept the sheva mitzvos, and that would be the ones that were right in in Israel. But even if we're fighting another ar- <laughs> against others. We say to them, even if we're out there in some other country, we say, you can live. Um, and if you accept the seven mitzvahs, you're not going to die. But you're going to be, in a sense, indentured to us. You lecholamas. What does that mean, that they're indentured to us? They're indentured to us. They pay a, 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 a bounty, a duty to us. That's the mass and of ducha, and they also serve us. They need both. What does that mean? Now, those of you that um, remember when Kahana uh, moved to Eretz Yisrael, he quoted this Rambam consistently about the Arabs that were living in Israel. And he said, yes, we can let them have peace, but on these terms. And he would quote this Rambam. And what were the terms? Shiyu nivzim ushfeilim lamata. They have to be considered second-class citizens. Well, yirimu rosh Israel. They cannot, they have to walk around as if they know they are defeated. They have to, they have to be kvushim tachas yodam. And they can't, and none of them could ever be, have a, have a position 
on another Jew. They have to be, they have to, they are subjected to be in a lower class. They cannot have any sort of, um, uh, of, of, of higher office in which they are controlling the Israelim for anything. That's the sense of Abdus. And what is the mass? The mass is that they have to be ready to do whatever the king demands, whether it's pay money or work with their bodies. They have to build the walls. They have to strengthen the mitsudos. They have to build the palaces. And and who did this? Shlomo HaMelech did this. The, the people that he had uh, captured through war became indentured slaves. And they were the ones who were not paid money to build the Beis HaMikdash, to build Shlomo's specific um, domiciles, uh, the walls of Yerushalayim, to build the storage houses. And Shlomo said, yeah, that's the rules. You're living here. This is the principle. And in fact, nobody of the Jews was an avid for Shlomo. They got positions. They were all warriors. They, they were servants in his household and, and representatives of the government. Again, this does not sound too good, does it, in, in terms of uh, what we understand now to be considered a, a, a model community. This yeah, sounds... This, yes. Well, I thought um, Shlomo did draft Jewish people against their will, and they had to work uh, for him a certain number of months per year. These were Jews, not, not those people. I understand that being an indentured servant means you know, 12 months a year the whole time. But wasn't that part of the issue that the uh, it brought down the government after... Uh... <laughs> You're saying that... But the Rambam feels it's correct, Bob. I mean, the Rambam says that an Evid is not just for a couple of weeks a year. An Evid is always on. And well, right, can... I, understand, I understand that. I, I'm not questioning it. Yeah. But you just said... He, he said that the you, you said that the people who... Yes, Bob. I implied, based on the Rambam, because the Rambam quotes this Pusik in a positive way. <laughs> right? the, the Rambam... The, now, again, does that mean... You know, it, it sounds like the Rambam feels that what Shlomo did was 100% proper. And, 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 and the way he treated the people that were conquered was correct. Otherwise, they would have had to been killed. But but not ju- not just the people who were conquered, Rabbi Kivalevich. Mm. What the the when um, when uh, his successor, when his son, Rachavim, Rachavim, right, right. He came, right when he came into office, the people, <laughs> not the slaves, the, right. the people of Israel said, "You need to be less harsh with us on the taxes and the construction." Yes, that is true, Bob. That is true. Okay, and and and, 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 oh, and I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, maybe what I. I I'm, I'm not in the peculiar position of defending Rambam, um, but maybe what Rambam meant was that the way he treated the conquered people was okay. It's the way he treated. Yes, that could be Bob. And and again, he, um, you know, um, the, the on record the idea was that Jews serve in the government, but not as avodim. They have a they have a noble position, 
you can't just send them to do anything you want. Um, and I think what, what I'm trying to get at here is that, you know, tell me if you believe, I don't know if the people listening here think this is called compassion. Uh, yes, they are, you know, they, they were conquered. Um, it might've been a bordering nation of Israel, right? Um, it might've been one of the seven nations, but what happens is, is that we give them the option to live, but under these conditions to be a second class citizen completely and to, to work for free for all the things we need to get done, the infrastructure. And that's your right to live here and, and, and you got your life. So you should be happy about that. So I'm not sure if we would call this, you know, in today's terms, I'm not sure if we would call this great compassion. Um, and, and, and you know, of course, that, you know, uh, Kahana was condemned as a terrible bigot for quoting this Rambam. But this because is what the problem, Jewish versus democratic, this whole, this, this, uh, all discussion, right? It, it harks at that. What is Jewish? What is, what is democratic? If, if Israel proclaims to be a democratic state, it cannot make somebody a second class citizen. But if it's a Jewish state, then perhaps it, it, it should, according okay. to. Okay. So you're, you're raising a very good point. This is, this is a monarchy that's written up. That's the way we started today. This is a monarchy that's written up um, according to, you know, something that perhaps represents the Rambam's ideal of what the future would be. And, and, and I don't know if the Rambam is not influenced here by the common Islamic practice around him, because that's exactly the Muslim way of uh, conquest. Yes, yes, that's exactly. It's, I, it's, a, it's a carbon. It's exactly what they did. You, you, if you are not to be killed, you have to consider yourself a second cleanse. It's like exactly how the, you know. Yes, yes, the, again, and, but the Rambam extracts it from the Torah, which is interesting. And again, that yeah. is the... Um, um, yeah. Now, the Ramam does say that the Melech has the prerogative of the deal. In other words, um, you could take half of their money, half of their land. They could keep some of it. Um, so, in other words, the conquered nations of the seven nations, whoever they are, if they do make peace, the Melech can work out a peace deal. But, and once the deal is made, every king has to hold on to it. And the reason is, is because they made peace and they accepted the Sheva Mitzvos. Now, let's say they don't accept the Sheva Mitzvos. We yes. One more item, and I have this uh, uh, kind of, I would hold it against Kahan, because we're talking not about pagans, but Christians and Muslims. They, in their faith, they are not pagans, you know. So, One second, Dr. Kogan. Even if they keep the Sheva Mitzvos, they're still second-class citizens. That's what the I Rambam see. says. I see. Okay. 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 G- keeping the seven mitzvos is your is your pass to lo- to be alive. In other words, if you don't keep the seven mitzvos, um, we're going to kill you. So you have to agree to keep the seven mitzvos and agree to our terms. Um, if you don't, then we come after you with our weaponry, and we kill every male. Every single male is killed. Well, every adult male. And we take all your monies. And you don't have anything. Yeah. And not only that, we take your kids. And your kids become slaves. Or who knows what we do with them. 
Now, we don't kill children or, 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 or the right. We take them, but we don't kill any. We don't kill the children. Now, that is um, that would be if, let's say, Moab or some other country didn't want our terms. But if it's the seven nations or Amalek and they don't want our terms, if they do want our terms, they'll live. Even Amalek. If they don't want our terms, then, as the Ramam said before, we kill them all out. Um, now, now the Rambam says something amazing. How do I know that even when it comes to the seven nations, that God wanted seemingly them all dead, that even in those nations, that if they would have made peace, we would have kept them alive? So based on the Pasuk in Yoshua, Parakit Aleph, it says, Not one city or city-state from those nations decided to accept the peace except the Gibonites, who were really the Chivim. That's who they really were. They, they were really the Chivim. They were, right? Now, They were the only ones. All the other nations, the, the Pasuk says in Yoshua, we conquered them completely and we took their country, we took their city over, we took everything from them, and we, right. God did something to them like he did to Paro. Even though the Jews had the Aron and miraculous power behind them, and we're clearly on a winning streak. The nations, when they heard the the the, the options, decided to fight. To fight us. And God actually made them do that, the Pasik says, in order in order for them to lose, so we should be able to kill them all out and take all their monies and take everything that they have. And kill them. And, and this was actually what God, in other words, they logically should have at least <laughs> gone ahead with their lives and maybe saved themselves, even though they would submit themselves to, the sub, to, to being second-class citizens. But God it, it sort of infiltrated into their minds like Paro and got them to fight. And the reason, as the Pasuk and Yeshua says, was in order for us to actually become victorious and kill them all and take everything. So the Rambam says, you see from there, that every single nation got a letter or a messenger or, 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 or people who came to them with an official peace offering. And what was that peace offering? As you can see, if you want to, and here's another thing we didn't see before. You can run away. You could leave the country. Even the seven nations. Even if there was some Amalekim there, it sounds like. They have a right to leave. Okay, that was the first letter. We're coming. Before we even got there, we're coming. 
Now, they came there. They said, look, you're here. You had a chance to leave and go to some other country. You're now in our land. If somebody wants to make peace, you can make peace on our terms. Okay, so if the people who, who then decided to come out and they explained what it was about, of course, no one did it, <laughs> but that was at least the option. And the third letter was, you obviously want to do war. Okay, we're about to come in and have war with you. And that means, since you're from the seven nations, um, you're going to all die. Not you're, you're, Everyone will die. Then the Rambam explains how the Givonites, uh, how it happened that the Givonites stayed alive. And that's really not our issue. Uh, but the point is, is that they were the only ones who did. So, um, <laughs> you know, yes and no. Um, uh, compassion, but at a price. The Ramam says that when um, you do uh, attack a city, when you do create a siege, now is the Ramam here talking about any war? We do not, and Bob, this gets into what you were asking me before. Um, and Bob is gone. But you do not um, uh, surround it from four sides, only three sides. And we leave a place to escape. So this uh, halacha seems to indicate that when we are waging war, we give an option for escape. And it's based on a pasuk that says about the war against Midian. And that was a command that they had, and that was replicated, according to the Rambam, in all the wars, that they would the siege would, would only be a three corner, th- only on three sides. But the fourth side would give the option for escape. Now, this seems to indicate a sense of compassion, or at least an aspect. The Ramban writes on his, in his, and when he talks about the Rambam forgetting certain mitzvos, he says, we need to leave one of the um, directions open in order for them to be able to run away. Why? So this is exactly the title of today's class. By leaving something there, we realize even though we've got, we're not running up the score completely, we're giving them something to hold on to. But then he says something else to Ramban. Ubo o tikun and there's another benefit, though, to give them the option of running away. Now, let me explain what this means, and then we're going to end. This is actually a tactic to win. If you corner them completely, that there's no way out, 
they will marshal their all their energies to fight us. And that will result in more casualties and maybe an incredible victory for them, possibly. Right? Like the Masada, right? Not just like the Masada people killed themselves, they're actually gonna say, Yeah, they think they had us, right? They're gonna say, We have nothing. We're gonna die anyway. Let's just fight like crazy. So there's two reasons for this. One reason the Ramban says is that this teaches us that even when we have our foot on the gas and we are conquering, compassion tempers what we're doing. But he says there's also a positive benefit. <laughs> In other words, yeah, there's a way out. They probably won't be able to. But if, we, if they know there's no way out, that'll turn them into lion-like warriors that'll fight to the death. We don't want to create that either. So it's it's interesting that the Ramban sort of is, is, is has two ideas in his mind about what this mitzvah is about, of leaving another direction open. Whether it's really about, is it really about teaching us compassion or is it really very very savvy military tactic? In terms of uh, in terms of, of of winning. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Music.